This is Deion Dawkins, man, and you're listening to The Scoop on OwlScoop.com. You already know. Hi, everyone. Welcome back to The Scoop, OwlScoop.com's podcast. In the interest of making Kyle Gauss happy, we have turned the calendar to season eight. New season. Kyle's been clamoring for new season, so... Give us number eights. <laughs> Tyler Matakevich, PJ Walker for that one year, Artrell Foster. Artrell Foster. Yeah, season eight. Frankie Juice. Cal Ripken. Junior. That one too. It's Cal Ripken. By the way, before I got the chance to introduce everybody, Kyle Gauss is with us along with Javon Edmonds. <laughs> and returning to the scoop from Clemson Insider and formerly of AlScoop.com and every Temple student media outlet, the great Sam Newman. What's up, buddy? What's up? Happy to be back in the flesh of Alice Coop podcast. <laughs> He's so, doing the podcast circuit now. We're like, there's stuff coming out that people are paying for guests on podcasts. We've been paying Sam to come in and you know, make a little <laughs> podcast appearance. Absolutely. So we are going to, we realize, of course, that one of the reasons why we're, we're turning the calendar over to season eight is because preseason camp has started for the Alice this week. We will be talking preseason camp football and all things temple football, but um we're going to have a we've been having a lot of fun with the Temple all-time fantasy hoops draft that we did and Sam took part in that. Javon was going to take part in it but could not um celebrate his mother's birthday last week. How was that? We were hoping you would zoom bomb us from the party but but you did not. But I understand. That that dinner ended so late. Uh it's pretty pretty good. That's good. But Javon is still going to talk about the draft with us because he is he's a, he's a master takesman. We can cross over eras here. That's going to be crucial for, for Kyle if he wants to beat me in the finals. Um, so we're going, to, we're going to lead off talking about this, this draft. We got a lot of great engagement with it on social media. We had a lot of fun with people chiming in. Really appreciate that. We'll get to the mailbag questions a little bit later on, both football and basketball. So for those of you who maybe missed last week's episode and have missed what's been going on, what we did was we had eight teams. And uh, again, just wanted to have fun with this. Wanted to have fun as a staff. Wanted to have fun with... Uh, our fans and readers and uh, did an all-time Temple Hoops fantasy draft, eight teams. So uh, Caden was with us. Caden had the first pick. Mike Mudrick, our former assistant editor, had the second pick. Sam Cohn had the third pick. Varun Kumar, who occasionally contributes for us, had the fourth pick. Dante Colonelli had the fifth pick. I had the sixth pick. Sam Newman here had the seventh pick. And then Kyle had the eighth pick. Some people, maybe we didn't do the best job explaining that it was a snake draft, uh, one guy on Twitter was criticizing me for taking David Hawkins over Lavoie Allen and Mark Jackson, who I didn't have the opportunity to get in the second round. Uh, and then what we've done is let people vote on the games uh, on Twitter. Uh, so the one eight matchup was Caden and Kyle were in the one eight matchup. The seedings were based off of draft order. So Bodied. <laughs> Bodied Caden. Caden the next. Kyle in the first round. Um, then Mike Mudrick and Sam Newman in in uh, in the two seven matchup. Sam beat Mike. Upset. Um, that was an upset. Yeah. Uh, and then Sam Cohn and I played uh, in the three six game. And then Varun and Dante played in the four five game. Varun beating Dante there. Uh, went to uh, in the what the quarterfinals from there. Um, it's been fun. Kyle has been going to great lengths to garner votes and. Uh, and court voters, but Look, what, what you, what you got to do because right. again, 
people have asked like, what is this? How do you compare eras? Is there a point system? No, it's just straight voting on Twitter. We've been trying to link, you know, the, the, the tweets to people on various Facebook groups, mess our message boards and stuff like that. And lo and behold, here we are in the finals and we're going to put stuff out for votes pretty soon. Kyle and I are in the finals. Varun had, had Dan Leibovitz, his assistant coach. We also, I should note, drafted 13 rounds. So 13 rounds were the players. And then we did, we all drafted coaches and they were assistant coaches. We thought it'd be too easy to draft uh, head coaches because what well, temples have what three, four head coaches since the 1950s. So, uh, Five. right. It's wait, it's, uh, it's Litwack, Casey, Cheney, Dumphy, Airbnb. Yeah. So uh, that didn't stop San Cone from taking a back, uh, a back like loophole to draft Don Casey. <laughs> yes. Yeah. So, um, so Varun, and if you missed this, this was a lot of fun. So Varun had Dan Leibovitz as his coach. And Dan Leibovitz, who was a, a longtime assistant under John Cheney, was great on Twitter and decided to provide an entire breakdown of their entire roster and his memories of guys that either coached or not, you know, I mean, he didn't coach guys like, like Ed Coe. Um, most of everyone on that roster, he didn't coach Donald Hodge, but most of the guys he had some interaction with. So he did a full breakdown of uh, of their roster, which was a lot of fun. You know and, why he had interaction with most of those guys? Because he grew up because Varun country. thought the object of the sto- of the draft was to recreate the 1997 Temple Apps. Like, <laughs> I don't think he understood that it's an all time draft. He yeah. drafted only people from the last like 24 years. Yeah. Like, guess what, Varun? You're wondering why you lost because you were drafting the eighth guy on a 17 win team. I appreciate Kyle coming out hot early. Just going on the attack. I feel like Varun, I feel like Varun, to be honest, I, I, I kind of would have guessed this. A little bit of a sore loser. A little bit of a sore <laughs> loser. Like, I get, I, I'm just saying, all I'm saying, Varun, I'm the reason you're in this draft well, Jav- and Javon's conflict. But then I'm the one that said, hey, why aren't we putting Varun in this? I would have expected some graciousness saying, you know what, Kyle, you do have the deepest team in this draft. You were drafting stars in like the 12th round when I was drafting water boys. Like I would have expected that. But instead, got yeah, a little snark. In case you haven't been able to tell, Kyle is is fooling. Kyle is also very time. tired, <laughs> a little irritable and has some opinions today. <laughs> Let me do this. I want to talk about, again, if you go to the site, if you go to alscoop.com and you click on the story where we put up, where we listed the teams, you can see a listing of all the teams, but I'm going to run through, I'm going to run through the first round. I want to get Javon's inner, like um, Javon's reactions on this. I want Sam to talk about his team a little bit. And then Kyle and I can have a little friendly debate about who we think is going to win in the finals here. So in the first round, Caden had the first pick. Oh, here comes Sam Cohn into the waiting room. We didn't think Sam was going to, be with us today, but Boston Sam, Sam Cohn, now of the Philadelphia Inquirer. He's Our calling us from the Boston. back of a Verbo or something. What is this? <laughs> Sam, oh, he's, not, his audio is not he's, even. He's oh. not connected to audio. Mm. There he is. Sam Cohn is not connected to audio. Pulling a Rod Carey. Sam, you have joined us. Yes. <laughs> uh, that was a great setup last year. Sam, as you can see here, joined by Kyle, Carolina Sam, Sam Newman, Javon Edmonds, and I. We are we're leading things, leading the pot off with the the talk of the all time fantasy draft. And um, you want to talk about why your team lost, where they failed, where you went wrong? Well, I think for starters, specifically in that eighth round pick. For starters, my team should not have lost. That's where I'd like to start. Um, I thought I I said this in our group chat that I felt like I came to terms with the fact that I was the only one that liked my team. <laughs> <laughs> 
Kyle really likes his uh, team. Kyle's still Kyle's gonna like his team twenty years from now. Yeah, he's saying he's the only one that liked his team. Like nobody else likes Sam's team. Sam, I like yes. the team, which is correct. Oh, okay, okay. <laughs> Sam uh, had Sam and I had similar strategies. Sam and I, I think, were the only two that appreciated the fact that Temple basketball existed before 1981. I think we were the yes. only two that did that. However, oh no, I, I just did it a little better than Sam. <laughs> like Sam got. Look, we've all been there in fantasy drafts. He got he got focused on uh, one guy. So he got a little gun shy about other guys, and that's actually go. exactly what happened. I'll admit. Um, yeah, I, I felt good about my team. I felt really strong with how I started. I thought my first four picks uh, were strong, and then I kind of felt like as we got deeper into the weeds, and because it was an eight man draft, my my knowledge of names. I think is strong and my knowledge of like understanding of people is strong, but the, the skill level I think is where I, is where I like, because you're I'm first. Most, some of these guys, some of these guys I didn't see. Wait, so, so in my head, that does Vroom didn't see any of these guys. He still drafted them. It's fine. So like, you ever, I didn't say, well, I'm not saying it's impossible not to know. I'm saying I don't have a good knowledge of like the line between some certain names that are well-known names, but maybe weren't as well-known player, like weren't as good players. That makes so sense. Sam's first four picks, again, Sam had the third pick in the draft. So uh, let me, we'll go through the first round real quick. Caden took Guy Rogers, a nod to, to the past. Can't really argue with that. Uh, and then Mike Mudrick took took Mark Macon at number two. Uh, Sam Cohen takes Deontay Christmas at three. Varun took Lynn Greer, his, his guy, at four. Uh, Dante took Khalif Wyatt at fifth. I took Aaron McKee, sixth. Then Sam Newman took Eddie Jones, seventh. And then Kyle in the snake draft took... Uh, at the back end, eight took Bill Milk via the Owl without a vowel, eighth, and then coming around the back end took Lavoy Allen. Mike so, Jensen gave me a little guff about taking Bill Milk via in the first round. Would I rather have taken Lynn Greer or Eddie Jones or McKee? Sure, but it was the eighth pick. I felt like he deserved to be a first round pick based upon how good he was in the 50s. And I knew I'd have Lavoy there. Yep. And so Sam said he felt good about his first four picks. So Sam's first four picks were Deontay Christmas, John Baum in the second round, Quincy Wadley in the third round, Nate Blackwell in the fourth round, Juan Fernandez in the fifth round, mm. and then Jason Ivey currently on the staff in the sixth round. John- That's where things went off the rails a little bit. Okay, well, I want to talk about Juan Fernandez for a moment. Sure. Because sure. in my head, Juan Fernandez is better than I feel like you guys. I just he's a no, very, no, I thought Juan was fine. Player. No. Very top player in the fifth round. I thought Juan was a perfectly fine pick. Josh okay. Brown. It's Jason Ivey in the sixth round. Josh Brown. So... I'm trying to think of the way this, the way this snaked uh, you had available to you. Right. I mean, guy, here were the guys that went after Juan Fernandez, right? Kyle, Mike, Mark Karcher, Ramon Rivas, Rasheed Brokenborough. I should have taken Rasheed Brokenborough. Scooty Randall, uh, Ramon Moore, Mick Kilgore, Will Cummings, and, like some, some current players, current players went off the, started coming off the board, Caleb Battle. I wasn't um, trying to take current players right away, though, or early. Um, you, Quentin DeCozy was there. Mark Strickland. That Josh Brown. Love Josh Brown as a human being. Seventh round. A little bit of a reach there for you. So what you're saying is you hate Josh Brown. And I love Josh Brown. But that, I thought that was a bit of a reach in the seventh round. Uh, Ike Moore Savage, the great Ike Moore Savage. That was a good pick. I round. stand by That was a great pick. pick. Look, uh, Sam, I appreciate you making that pick just because it fueled the energy of the draft for the next hour afterwards. Hundred <laughs> percent. We were, we were looking up no... Ike Borsavage, like vintage gear. 
<laughs> we were looking up have his, no podcast, his granddaughter no is following. His granddaughter Rune, is, Rune is going to be joining us shortly, by the way, Kyle. So you can. There is no could. content without without me drafting I4 Savage. In the also, I don't want to put it on blast. And also, you didn't draft him. But at one point, you asked if a very like fringe starter, quote, he was really, really good, right? Said, no, absolutely not. And that was not that long ago. That was like 2012. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, Sam got what he deserved in the first round, too. Javon, Javon, I want to hear your overall reactions to the, the selections. I mean, I know you, we could t- debate this all day, but real quick before we get into that, Javon, did you have a big board? Did I have a big board? Yes. Mm. Would I have made it out of the first round? Mm. I'll be honest. Um, you guys came to play. <laughs> if I would have gotten knocked out in the first round, like our buddy Dante, I do want to say the three six between. Um, Sam and John and the four or five between Varun and Dante felt like the NCAA tournament. Like those, that felt like the eight, nine and seven, 10 match. What in the sense that Sam got annihilated in the first half. Like I feel like he was never close. Cause remember, hold on, hold on. For like the first hour, Sam and John were like neck and neck. And then after that, yeah, it was it close just, early. Then John broke away. And then it just never, you know, got back to what it was. Because the 7 10 and the 8 9 in the same region are never two good games. It's I will one say, or the other. I, think I think Dante, Sam Newman, and Varun to an extent had a bit of an advantage when it, once we put it on Twitter. Yeah. Be- because they had outside sources. Like Dante, Dante got buoyed by Dolphins Twitter. That's all that happened. <laughs> like Dante, Dante was. Yeah, drafting some interesting people by the end, got buoyed by Dolphins Twitter, and then Varun somehow snuck through. Now, let me run through. I'll run Clemson, through. Boost and Sam, the Clemson faithful. I, I can guarantee you that nobody from Clemson even knew what, what that was. So Dabo went in there, put it on the bulletin board, said, get on there and vote. Talking about my team, since I just interjected, I feel like I had like a really good first three picks, and then after we yes. got Maybe after round eight, I just fall apart. Carolina, Sam Newman, Eddie Jones, Mark Jackson, the second round, Rick Bronson in the third round, then Raleigh Hollis Jefferson, the fourth, Scooty Randall in the fifth, Jalen Bond, Rick Reed, LeVan Alston. Here it comes. Rick Reed was a good pick. Rick Reed was a great pick. Here comes the next one, though. Ben Alston, Anthony Lee. Anthony Lee, who Mike, Mike Jensen skewered your fourth, said messing with team chemistry. Ernest the TJ DeLeo, Brendan Barry, Dre Perry, and then your coach, Sean Trice. Brendan Barry is one of those picks that Sam had to take his guy. Yes. I had to. Um, like you said, you need somebody who can uh, wake up. Bruins in the waiting room, by the way. Play in a very specific role. Then Dante's, Dante's roster. Real quick. No, I want to go back to that. Yeah. Temple never found out how to use Brendan Barry, but Sam's no. going to figure out how to use Brendan yeah, Barry. <laughs> So Dante's roster, as, as Varun is, is connecting to audio here in the podcasting world of Zoom, um, Dante's roster was Khalif Wyatt, Pepe Sanchez, Dwayne Coswell, Quentin Rose, Ramon Rivas, Caleb Battle, Obi and Jesse Morgan, Clarence Brookins, Jake O'Brien, Jaleel White, uh, Jerry Baskerville, Eddie Mast, and his coach is Dwayne Killings. Dwayne Killings, who just plucked uh, uh, Bobby Jordan. Bobby Jordan. Uh, oh, I didn't even see that. Uh, yes. And there's Brune joining us on, on Zoom. Brune, Kyle was talking a little little smack earlier in the podcast here. Oh, We're man. talking about Brune. I started off by saying I don't, I don't, I kind of saw this coming, but you've been a little bit of a not not gracious loser. You haven't oh, been a, no. 
<laughs> not at all. <laughs> we're not talking, at all. Uh, talking Losing about, with grace is overrated. We talked about um, very cool to have Dan Leibovitz's thread. Uh, are, have you... Wait, wait, John, real quick, real yes. quick. Kyle, Kyle mentioned earlier that my Ike Bor Savage pick rejuvenated our draft. I think if we're listing like things that made this the most fun, Dan Leibovitz's um, interjection and that's not where I thought you were going to go. <laughs> easel is is a strong, strong, strong number one. If my Ike Bor Savage pick is number two, what's number three? Uh, you shouting profanities at John. <laughs> yeah. yeah, because John was mean to me and I didn't like it. You from like your mother's kitchen just screaming profanities at arguably your mentor. Just to be fair, <laughs> to be fair I was arguably your mentor. <laughs> <laughs> you don't have to answer that sin. But I cannot, there's no question. Look me in the eye. I cannot confirm. I cannot confirm nor deny what was said while we we're on. Uh, while we're on Zoom, I did um I did the Sean McGee podcast. Uh, I'll be back right after that, and he said, "Oh, when are you guys gonna release the audio?" And I said, "Oh, that's uh-huh. it." Kyle making appearances I on podcast uh-uh. for some <laughs> I, I said, "If I release the three hour audio," I said, "At one point there was profanities going on. There was a lot of like off the record conversations going on. I don't think we could. I don't think that could have seen the light of day. No, no. We do have to talk he about how AllisWood.com canceled is, is releasing that audio. I want to hear what John has to say. You say? Rick, Kyle, your campaign trail is probably the best marketing of this whole thing. Like that, you talk about Sam and his Clemson vote stealing and, and you know, Boston Sam. And like, mysterious ballots showing up from know. Pittsburgh overnight, Varun. <laughs> <laughs> but your campaign trail, I like it, Kyle. I like it. I, I was out there. I was out here dusting off infographics. I'm going. I'm. I was doing the publicity tour. I was the most active on Twitter. I expected Varun to be more active on Twitter. He waited until after he lost until that happened. I'm going to tell I, you right now for the final that's about to happen. I don't have the energy, so I will be. <laughs> I'll be surprised. What if I did? I oh, Varun. Yeah, you're going to retort. I think. Oh, I. I had. I had. I had probably like three times the amount of posts queued up if I had won. So I, I would not have been gracious either way. You were going to stomp on my grave if you had won? Absolutely. <laughs> I was nothing but, look, this was just this was just a Tuesday to me. Like, I'm on to the finals. So, like, it was great seeing you. We're shaking hands on the way out, and I'm on to the finals. <laughs> I was happy for Vroom chose Mark Carter. If anybody was going to replace me, that was one of the draft picks I wanted. Yes, sir. He did it. Baltimore guy right there. Yes, sir. Varun, the shot I took at you before you got on was I think you didn't understand the concept of the draft because <laughs> instead of doing an all-time draft, you just tried to recreate the 1997 Temple House. Right. <laughs> well, so, here, so here's my here's my thought process with it, right? If we're going to do it, like, there's going to be team chemistry. It's why I chose Dan Leibovitz. I, I was between Dan Leibovitz and Dean Demopoulos. Uh so I feel like, you know, you're, you're integrating different parts from different eras. These guys are familiar with each other and they're good. So there's, there's a little bit of thought behind that. I think you're trying to apply logic, though, to a scenario where we have 95-year-old men playing against, like, exactly. 21-year-olds. So, like, exactly. you can't factor in, like, well, these guys did play together because I think we're imagining that this is just a gumbo where everything is going to work together. Like that's uh, if you're talking about gumbo, which leads us into some sort of soup, then Mark Macon would be the guy to talk to about the ingredients <laughs> of the soup. And what do you consider gumbo a soup? Uh, close enough. Close yeah. enough. At one point during our three hour draft, uh, the conversation of my team having someone from 1949 and someone from 2022, if they were on the same team, what kinds of things would they talk about? 
that it got to the point of like we are i think kyle and i span the greatest time span um, yeah i think for span sure and the greatest time span span the time span. right you uh, um, uh, just you know deconstructing things boston sam fell apart when his last six picks so you got you seven or eight <laughs> picks played a combined like 80 good games of that temple like you had like a lot of like okay that guy was here for a year that guy was here for half a year that guy had one good season like I, I was out here drafting depth. I think I have the deepest team from one to 13. I have 1200 point scorers as my 13th guy. Well, actually not because Keith, Keith Butler, but like Harry Wilcox, 18 point a game guy, 12th pick people are in that. I feel like the, the strength of my team is the fact that I was there from beginning to end. Other people fell off. The most important part of your team, Pickles Kennedy. In the that, that's a great value. Like people ask Stolen. me, somebody asked me, well, where's the scoring going to come from from Kyle? I got Pickles Kennedy coming <laughs> in the eighth round. <laughs> Robbery. Matt, um, uh, going to coaching, my theory was I needed somebody that had had success as a head coach. Uh, I didn't realize that we could take Don Casey as Sam found a way to do. Uh, but he Matt Langle has taken uh, taken guys to the NCAA tournament as a head coach. I'm at, just saying, it's a, out there. At a really tough place to Exactly. To it's hard to win at Colgate. He's done it three in the last four years. So, Because Matt Langle, did you have the same chemistry and interaction with your coach that Varun had with his coach? No, but I will say, uh, previewing the final, again, if I had had more energy, uh, I did look up cameos to get people to trash you. And I wasn't going, <laughs> and I wasn't going to have, it, have anything to do with your team. I Jim Beheim's on cameo. I was going to have him just come and talk about that. The one thing I was going to have is Mark Zumoff, a coworker of yours, is on cameo, <laughs> and I was going to have him say, and I quote, "Despite him being my coworker, I would never call him my friend." Vote for Kyle. <laughs> <laughs> oh my! God. I was going oh to just God. go scorched earth, but I'm just, uh, I'm just beaten down, man. I can't. You would do that, or maybe he would. I don't know. I would say John will love it. John will love this. <laughs> like the kind of- I feel like this is a smokescreen, though. That's something else that's coming coming right now. I was, I, yeah. No, I honestly, right now, like if if the lights flip to my uh, right now, I have nothing planned. I don't even have an infographic ready. I'm just gonna. I, I we'll see. Am what I playing a little like, possum? You never know. Your your daughter could be born at any, any minute. I thought it was gonna. I thought it'd be done by now. When I woke up this morning, I thought I'd be in a. Let me give you a scenario. Room. Let's say an an idea hits you. A ray of enlightenment hits you. You have just crafted for a data guy. You have crafted this graphic that you're just super proud of. It's I like also screwed little, up that graphic three times. And then the third graphic, I see there's still mess up. There's still mistakes on it, but I wasn't going to post it. Were, did, was it. were you doing that or was Sam doing that for you? From my account? Uh, no, that was Kyle. Well, yeah, I, I was. Sam, I was, thought Sam was, was crafting it for you. Yeah. Cause I quote tweeted a deleted, uh, a deleted tweet. Cause I was like, let's, let's promote everything here. And, and then Sam said, uh, John just quote tweeted a deleted tweet and graphic here. And then I saw later, I was running errands for like, okay, I finally got it right on the third try, but let's say, imagine, you know, like that montage in a movie where a guy gets a good idea and he smiles and there's a little montage of music. This is happening for it's you. It's called a montage. I said montage. <laughs> yeah. So let's say Meg comes to you and says, we have to get to the hospital now. Do you finish the graphic? Do you turn to her and be no. like, no, what question is that? <laughs> no. Just trying to see where your priorities are. No, the right? second, I'd say from like the moment that like the oh shit moment happens, like this is coming, we have to get to the hospital. You're out the door in like six minutes. I know. It's going to be a little longer this time because I had to wait for my in-laws to come and watch Jordan because I have another kid or I had to get Jordan in the car and then drop him off at like a, a drop off. But no, it's unfortunately 
if you know if you can strategically plan Meg's uh, labor, then you might not even see me during this. <laughs> you might just coast to the finals. With that in mind, I propose that we table this until November first. <laughs> <laughs> so in the finals, Kyle's Kyle's. You know what? Let's do this. Kyle, take me through your entire roster. Say a couple quick things about about each player and why you draft them, and then I'll go through <laughs> my roster. And uh, again, this maybe we can do this again next year, and we'll come up with like a little bit more of a different rubric that rubric that goes beyond like Twitter votes and stuff. I think we put a call out for this. If anybody could come up with like a simulated way of doing this, regardless, it's been fun. Kyle, go go through your roster really quickly. Give me a couple things on each guy you drafted, why you draft them. And I'll go through my roster, and then uh, we'll have people chime in. Here. Wait, b- before we get into that, yes, I have one roster I did want to talk about. Yeah, that was Mister Steels. I felt so bad for Caden throughout this thing. He texted me and asked me what I thought about his roster. Oh, no. (laughs) I was looking at it. I'm like, okay. He's got some scorers, but Caden has zero size. Like, I can't vote for his team against anyone because he's just getting killed on the boards. Granted, (laughs) it's not like Temple is like John Thompson and John Wooden recruiting big men just out of nowhere. But you got to try, try to find some size. Great point you made there, Javon. And somebody during the draft, I honestly forget who said, "Oh, I'll be able to get a big man later." And I said, "Not with this no. program. Not with this program. You have to get him early." That's just not how college size. basketball works. Like big men don't go to programs that aren't known for big men. Yes, exactly. Not a ton of size. Not zero size. Mike Eric. Yeah, Mike Eric. Uh, Strickland. Uh, yeah, it's Mike Eric and it's, JP Mormon and Ollie Johnson, right? Yeah, yeah. Ranger Hall, uh, but not a ton of not a ton of size. Yeah, not not really outside of Mike Eric, probably not a true five. Yeah. Ty Strickland in the thirteenth round. Ty Strickland tweeted at Caden, uh, gave him a shout out for drafting him, which was Love hilarious. Javon, um, anybody before you Kyle and I go down our rosters, any other thoughts? Any other things that jumped out? I want you to I want you to like really lean in on this. I love Kyle's draft strategy. I said in the group chat, I applauded Carolina Sam for the Brittenberry pick. Like, no, he's not an all-time great. However, that's just knowing in the last round, you need somebody to play a very specific role for Wasn't you. the last round, Javon. <laughs> no, 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 it wasn't the last round. It was the last round. And then he took Jay Perry in the in the 13th. See, if, if Brittenberry was in the 13th round, it would have been perfect. But it was still yeah, like, you know what? At that point, we were throwing darts. So, yeah, that's fair. <laughs> so I respected it just for the purpose of drafting him. Um, Look, Carolina Sam is nothing if not loyal, and that's his guy, and he made sure he got him. <laughs> I thought John drafting Vrieswick uh, was, like, probably – if there was any player that was going to get a lot of votes by themselves, it was Vries. Ooh, that's that's an interesting dynamic. Like, could you have drafted people knowing that they were more likely to retweet you and, and get traction on your own? Really? I mean, like, yeah. Mike – No, I'm not saying did you, but, like, we could have. I could have been like, hmm, who has the biggest following? So Mike, Mike Reeves, who we'll be talking. So one of the other things, I think I mentioned this last week, what we're going to try to do is like a, like a Legends of North Broad Street series where we talk to some of these players that we draft that have some fun, ask them what they thought of the draft. And then we, we posted stuff about this on the Temple Basketball Facebook group, which Mike is the administrator of that group. And he even said he was like, there were some some big swings and, and misses on, on, on both ends of the draft there. So he was even – you know, engaging, but he, it's not like he's, he hasn't been like get, getting out there and, and like getting like grabbing votes for me. Like, like Dan did for, 
for Varun. Not that I don't like Mike, but I didn't draft him. I mean, fourth round rolls around. He's still there. I got to take him. I mean, one of the most prolific uh, shooters in the program. I have an idea for when you guys do talk to Mike. I think it would be pretty cool if, if you, like, kind of had him draft in somebody's spot and see, like, who he would have taken in that situation. Possibly. Like, hypothetically, Caden's spot. If you follow Mike, if you follow him on social media, like he has been one of the, one of the guys that really like convenes a lot of the guys from as many different areas as he can. He'll have them over at his house and this kind of like, uh, um, has hosted guys over there and he's, he really enjoys like the history of the program. So hopefully we'll, we'll, we'll talk to him. Kyle, give me, give me the, give me the ins and outs of your roster here. Take me through the anatomy of this draft and why you took who you took. Sure. Um, so again, like I said earlier, would I have preferred to take somebody other than Bill Milkley in the first round? Sure, absolutely. But I was in the eighth pick. Uh, the premise of this draft was that if somebody was an All-American in 1950-whatever, they're going to play to that level in this scenario. So with that in mind, with the eighth pick, I took a guy who led the nation in scoring, who scored 73 points in the game, who happened to get distracted his senior year by being trying to be a dentist. But I, I wanted there. I also knew that because it's a snake, I would then have the program's all-time leading rebounder and arguably the best defensive big they've had in the last 35 years in LaVoy Allen afterwards. To couple with that, now that I have Bill Milkvie and LaVoy Allen, I wanted the program's all-time leading assist guy, Howie Evans, who is also going to be a, a pest defensively. So now I have, now I have a, a true one who can go up against anyone in this draft. With that in mind, I'm thinking now thinking bigs. Okay, who do I go with? I then at that point, knowing again that I had Lavoy Allen, said Lamont Barnes is a dog. I'm gonna get Lamont Barnes in there. I now have twin towers. I'm building a true team at this point. Need more scoring. Who do I bring in fifth? A guy who took as big of a leap in his temple career as somebody I've ever covered, Ramon Moore. Go some somebody that is just a slashing guard to a true deep threat by his junior and senior year, Ramon Moore. Guess what? Right after Romo Moore, I get another scoring option in Mick Kilgore with size, size and scoring. All of a sudden, I got a 6'9 guy dropping 15 points and shooting 35% from three. So I got true options there. Marty Stahersky didn't, they didn't have threes when he played. I'm just assuming he'd be able to hit threes in this scenario. Marty Stahersky, right after that, another big five. Uh, uh, first team all uh, selection. I actually think he might have been big five player of the year, but at the very least, he was a first team big five guy. Another 15 point a game scorer. The true value pick of this entire draft, Bill Pickles Kennedy, backcourt, uh, with Hal Lear, 20 some points off. Wait, right? Guy Rogers, who is he the backcourt guy with? Sean's, uh, or are you shaking your hand because you're so upset? You like, I wasn't shaking my head. No, I'm, I'm shaking oh, my hand. I'm shaking my head because I, I'm shaking my head because I wanted him, and then he took him, and after that, I got gun shy, and then I got scared, and then it just was in my head. <laughs> yeah, that just that did derail you. I'm pretty sure it, it was... rattled me. But I just want to say before you go any further, you have the energy now of a guy who is running a combination figure, like an Amway salesman, a guy who's running a pyramid scheme, like a lot, a lot of energy, a lot of like. Feet on the street energy here. I love it. Go ahead. As the result, first of all, it was Guy Rogers backcourt mate with Guy Rogers. So I'm, I'm getting a 20 point game guy in the eighth round, a true scoring option. So the, the whole theme of my team is depth. If somebody has an off day, 13 of them won't. So with after that ninth pick, I get a guy who averaged 19 points a game in his senior year. Tim Claxton to your school to your to your team. A the theme depth. Go ahead. Yeah, depth. Every single. 
Again, next one. This is a 6'4 center, Russ Gordon. So you assume always he's going to get abused. But we're assuming in this gumbo that everyone just plays to the same level of prowess that they did. So guess what? So then I just added, hey, it's called a callback, John. So then I added a (laughs) 13.12 rebound guy uh, game in the 10th round. Like, I don't know what to talk about here. Robinson, another guy. I got bigs after bigs. You want to ask me how I'm going to beat your team? I'm going to body your team in the paint. Antoine, you what? You're considering Antoine Robinson a big? He's six eight two ten, John. Antoine Robinson was not a big. Yeah, he that's was wing Antoine shot. was Antoine was a was a wing. Six eight two ten, John. He was no, his wing size. Anybody he, who knows the te- history of the Temple Pro, Antoine Robinson was re- not really a big. He was more of a wing. Is this why he led the team in offensive rebound every year? I'm not saying he wasn't an opportunistic player, but he was not. If you're saying, I'm saying, as anybody that knows the history of Temple basketball would say, Temple thrives on playing wings down low. I'm right, Carolina Sam drafted Valier Hollis Jefferson in the fourth round. He was a six foot five I, guy that played I, the four for four years. I don't think they're they're not the same kind of player. Exactly. Yeah. This is Varun. I will kick Varun. you out of this group. This is called a, 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 a Varun, What you're saying is you've got my back on this, right? No, absolutely. absolutely. I feel uh, he kind of developed his three point. Like he he shot a lot of threes. Like he he was definitely by the end of his career more more of a three and D guy than uh, playing on the on the perimeter than. His senior, year, his senior year, his senior year, 87% of his minutes came at the four. Can we settle with stretch four? Yeah, that's how I was, can we just right. settle with stretch four? That's fair. I'll, I'll give you stretch four. I know that you guys are also solely focused on one year that you can only imagine basketball through your little tiny scope. Oh, I saw him But play. guess what? So guess I'm what? Playing. He played the four. He played the four senior year. I tap. Regardless, on to the next one. Silky <laughs> Harry Silcox, 16 points a game in 1954. You guys, by the end, were drafting dudes because you liked them or that they said hi to you on Twitter once, or that you covered them. And I really knew this one game that he had 19 points. Guess what? My guys were doing it every day. My guys were the guys on their teams. Maybe not Robinson. Harry Silcox, leading scorer on a, on his Temple team for his last two years of his Temple career, the, the 12th pick. And then a little bit to troll and a little bit because I need a, a kind of a rim protector off the bench for the 13th pick, uh, Harry. Uh, I'm sorry, Keith Butler. And then coaching, like we talked about, I wanted the experience to take somebody to the NCAA tournament because my team is loaded and is ready to make a run in the tournament. Matt Langle can do that. What are you drinking right now? Uh, it's a Dr. Uh, Pepper cream soda. Whatever it is, keep it up. I'm loving Kyle today. I, I love you, John, but I'm team Kyle on this one. He, that, that's my Your type team- of GM. If you want, let's talk, you want me to go line by line in your team, you have one serviceable pick. Hmm. One. Yeah. Yeah. But guess what? I'm going to just dominate you in the paint. Um, you guys, the, the team chemistry I keep hearing about, what about team roster construction? Because it seems to be lacking here. Here's the question. John, do you you drafted Jim Maloney as your coach? Do you think he can stretch Kyle's team up enough, like strategically? Like, can he strategically plan out your roster to stretch Kyle's roster out and make him go small? Yeah, for, well, for I want you to go small. Was, That's fine. <laughs> the guy was the guy was a brilliant coach. The guy the guy can teach. The guy really helped John Cheney develop matchup zone. Uh, I mean, like the guy's a brilliant, brilliant coach and a brilliant teacher. So. I like, I'm, not, I'm not questioning the Jim Maloney pick. What? I wasn't questioning the Jim Maloney pick. You're right. If Kevin Lye gets into foul trouble, then it's over. There. Then it's over. 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 You don't even think you have a who'd you who'd be the backup big in this scenario? Let alone start alongside him. 
an opportunistic Greg Jefferson who was in the right place at the right time. <laughs> and that, uh, and that's that, what I'm saying. So that's a perfect example, right? Like, like you guys got guys at the end who 20 years later, people have stories about like them looking like fish out of water. My guys were the guys on their teams. I love, look, okay. Is it, does a guy like Alton McCullough, is he like, he's six, eight. Is he like, uh, was he, he was a very, very good big in this, in the program, in the history of the program. I don't think I'm like, like ridiculously thin in the front court. I mean, you've got, I love Lavoy Allen, Lamont Barnes, great player. Um, you've got some Nick Kilgore, super athletic there. You've got, you've got some sides. You've got, I, I like your team. I can be gracious and say that I like your team. You just claimed because you watched a guy that you were the only one that was allowed to scout him. So you haven't been super gracious. I, I, I will. John's got a lot of size in his backcourt though. Yeah. Like a ton of size. Aaron McKee. I wouldn't say David Hawkins about six, four, right? But yeah. he's got broad shoulders. Like that's a bully yeah. guard. Right yeah. There. David yeah, Hawkins he's, very aggressive, draw, like very, a guy who can get to the rim. I love Rasheed Brook and Burrow. Um, I mean, I was looking at, so. Dustin Salisbury's huge. Yeah. Six, I mean, five. getting into like, so snaking around the second in the second round, would have liked to have had LaVoy Allen or Mark Jackson fall to me. They did not. Choosing between David Hawkins and Pepe Sanchez, love David Hawkins, would have been happy with either player, even Marty Collins there. Then I get to one, two, three, four, fifth, fifth round. I'm like, okay, Aaron McKee could be on the ball. So, yeah, who's on the ball here? Or it's probably Will Cummings. Yeah, I'd probably put Will, very underrated player. I, I threw that assist percentage stat out there, which which is very modern stat. But he loved. He's like, I didn't even know. Didn't even know I led the program in that stat. What was my percentage? In the last twelve years, you did well. Yeah. Yeah. Got got some engagement there. That's what we're looking for here. Partially, what we're looking for. You know who probably actually led the program in it? The guy on the other side of the court, Howie Evans. Howie Evans probably yeah. did. So I had Aaron McKee in the first round, David Hawkins in the second round, Kevin Lyde in the third round, Kevin Lyde. Look, I love Kevin. Probably could have kept himself in a little bit better shape, but still very, very good player. Was on that uh, was on that 2001 team that went to the Elite Eight. Was on the 2000 team that should have gone to the Elite Eight in the Final Four. McDonald's All American coming out of Oak Hill, twenty fourth best or twenty second best player of all time in Temple history. Yeah, uh, so that's where you drafted him. <laughs> hey, I needed. Well, you can't criticize me and say, "Oh, you need to see it. You need size. You need size." I need to grab some size there. So, I also need ball handlers. <laughs> so. Breezewick in the fourth round, which I think is great value there. Rashid Brokenborough in the fifth round, who I love. Will Cummings in the sixth round. Probably start him at the point. Uh, Dustin Salisbury in the seventh round. Late Alt McCullough in the eighth round. Uh, Charlie Ray in the ninth round. A really tough player that could bring some physicality there. Loved, okay, I love my team. Johnny Miller in the tenth round, a guy who lit up Cincinnati in the NCAA tournament. People don't really... People don't really, again, like people from my era remember him and were disappointed when he transferred out. Right. Uh, got him in the 10th round. Uh, got the mayor of Camden in the 11, round 11, Vic Carstar from another good player. Greg Jefferson drafted him half for the story there, half for character. Obviously, the, the, and the game that he had against Penn State in the, in the 2001 NCAA tournament was a little bit of an outlier game, but opportunity. Real quick, I, I want to rewind a little bit. Yes. So Johnny Miller in the 10th round. So at this point, it's like the 78th best player in Temple history. You drafted a 29% shooter. Played well in big games. Game. Like 20 <laughs> game. Yeah, 20. Unreal he also, range. He also did kind of help convince another player on John's roster to stay at Temple. So 
I don't think we have a, a way of incorporating that into the. <laughs> Why not? Why don't we? We have, we have literally no rules on this other than people are. I don't know. I don't know how we how we would account for that. <laughs> uh, Vic Carr start from the eleventh round. Greg Jefferson twelfth round. Ernest Pollard more of a sentimental pick. He was he was John he was John Cheney's first Prop forty eight recruit. Wonderful human being. Deep. That's a great guy. segue, Varun. I want to talk about that. Varun tried claiming to a guy who is very openly anti-Kyle on Twitter. Uh, he tried claiming to that guy, the reason that I have better stats is because all your players were Prop 48 guys. Half my team wasn't able to play as freshmen. Like, like they didn't let any freshmen play in the NCAA. Sure, we were it didn't suit we my talking, agenda. When we were talking during the draft, I said, envision the scenario where like you're at your fantasy football draft and – you walk up to the big board with the stickers and you're talking about, do I like my team? And then Kyle's like, then I hit that stretch where like a lot of my guys aren't alive anymore. <laughs> yeah. Well, which is fair because guess what? You can't speak ill of the dead. So you guys aren't allowed to critique them. <laughs> I just, I keep, I feel like every single team, you guys all get to a point where you make sentimental picks. You just freely admitted to yours. We talked about Boston Sam. We talked about Carolina Sam. Varun has 13 of them. We did nothing but sentimental picks. And at the end, I was just chipping away. I followed the system. Let me, okay, let me, let me. Ask and that's why. That's is why Matt Langle, your coach, is Matt Langle in a game that matters here in the finals? Are you really going to go 13 deep in the finals? Are you going to run all 13 guys? It's not up to me. It's up to my coaching staff. I am just there to, to fill the roster. I, I have no say. This isn't this isn't Billy Bean um, telling what's his name, uh, the form future Mets manager, who was the manager of the A's. Art Howe. Art Howe. There was. This isn't Billy Bean telling Art Howe how to run his team. Okay, I'm just giving him 13 points. Have you heard from your coach? Have you heard from your coach? I don't want to tip my hands. That's a no. God love Jim Maloney, late Jim Maloney. All I'm saying is Colgate uh, Sports Information Department not exactly overflowing with requests. <laughs> Just saying. Question for John. Who on your yeah. team, like, takes the statement flagrant foul to let Kyle's team know that y'all aren't afraid of them? Because it's going to have to happen. Who, who dishes out the flagrant foul to be physical? Charlie Rain. You think Bill Pickles Kennedy gives a shit about Charlie Rain? No chance. <laughs> Bill Pickles Kennedy is 10 toes down. Like Kevin he is lied. ready for this. <laughs> Kevin lied. Freezewick was tough. Rasheed Brokenborough was tough. I got a lot of guys on my team. Ramon Moore is from South tough. Philly. Okay. Ramon Moore is not going to back David down Hawkins this stuff. What's that, bro? David Hawkins is tough. And I yeah, think David Hawkins was a lot of toughness on my roster. Aaron McKee was tough. I got a very tough team. Do not question my team's toughness. Ernest Pollard's a cop now. Like, mm, that works against you. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I think there's a, I think there's plenty, I think there's plenty of toughness, plenty of toughness on my roster. I don't worry about that at all. Uh-huh. I'm worried that you haven't heard back from your coach, and you think that your coach is going to play 13 guys. You guys- I didn't say that. I said he has 13 guys that are of this caliber. That's fine. He gets to figure out going. I don't know. I don't know if you've covered basketball before, but not everybody always plays to their highest level every game. So I got 13 darts at the board. You got like seven. It's fine. No. No. Rolling I'm also like, let's let's be fair here. We're talking about the finals. So like we're critiquing like two good teams, right? I I thought it was inevitable that we we're going to face each other, to be quite frank. Regardless, before we even drafted, I just kind of assumed, like, this is how it was going to end. And here we are. I unfortunately, unfortunately, though, I think I think you're getting a deflated Kyle. So, <laughs> give the hat I to you. Broom, I thought Broom was going to end up in the finals. 
Uh, I I was I voted against Varun obviously in both rounds, uh, both times strategically because I I figured if Dante made it, I would just destroy Dante, and then obviously I wanted me to go. So I was strategic in my votes. I don't know if you guys voted based on who you thought the best team was. I just voted for me. So <laughs> biggest reach of the draft of us or of and anybody? Why, biggest reach, biggest reach in the biggest reach in the whole draft, and why was it Sam? Cone. Which one of Sam Cohn's picks? Can I, I love you, buddy. I do. I love. Wow, wow. It doesn't have to be from Sam's roster. It's Javon shaking his head. Again, I, I to steal a line from you. I'm sure you love this guy, Jason Ivy. In the sixth round was a a massive reach. Mm. Oh, I mean, Jason Ivy played in some big games. Played Everybody big- played in big games. <laughs> like they, they went to a lot of NCAA tournaments. They're the top. 104 people in program history. They played in big games. Did they play well in big games? Potting up Chris Weber, guys like that. I mean, they lost that game, John. I know. Well, figure <laughs> uh, which. Um, what's his name? Was one of the cameo people, not Chris Weber, the fifth guy. Ray Jackson. Ray Jackson. No, fourth guy. Jawan Jimmy Howard. King. Jimmy King. Jimmy King's on cameo. <laughs> I, I can't play that. You could like Jimmy King talking about Aaron McKee. Wait, Sam, did you just say Javon Howard was the fourth guy? <laughs> I thought we were just naming guys from the Fab Five. Okay, okay. <laughs> I'll let you well, I think you have a lot of duplicative players. I'll just say that. I think I think there's gonna be competition on who's gonna be the you know, I think I think there's gonna be who's who's the starting two guard on that team. You got a lot of options. That's great. Only one of them can be it. My first five picks are my starting five. Okay, so let's say your lineup does get shrunk to seven or eight guys in rotation in this championship game. Who are your you, seven or eight guys that you want on the floor? Don't yeah, you mean? Yeah. Uh, Bill Milkvy. I'm going to do this, this. I'm going to go Howie Evans. Ramon Moore. Where, remember, we're assuming there is going to translate to the next level. Bill Milkvy. And then Lavoy and Lamont Barnes are my starters. And then off the bench... Pickles and Mick Kilgore. I like that. Question is, and yeah, I mean, Mick has some size. And then honestly, I, I think I'm going to utilize the hell out of Keith Butler just to be like five fouls. Five fouls off the floor. See, Keith could have been better than just dishing out five fouls. But, but he's also a blocker. Yeah. He blocks shots, which again, he's a, he's a, a tool off the bench. See, I still seven guys, John. Who are your seven? My seven guys. I mean, probably. I mean, I would you call Aaron a true point guard? No, but I think I I think I star Aaron McKee. Remember, this is college Aaron. This is not NBA Aaron. NBA Aaron, you can make that claim, I think, better than college Aaron. Aaron was, I mean, Aaron didn't play on the ball as much as as Rick Bronson and guys sure. like that, but I mean, he didn't. He wasn't like bereft of having a role in that regard. I feel like you're just like the same things we critique Temple basketball for for the last like seven years is what you're trying to use to justify your team because you're like, oh, Quint Rhodes isn't like you know, it's not a natural point guard, no, but like but he, he can move the ball up. I mean, I'm starting Aaron, David Hawkins, Kevin Lyde, Mike Frieswick, Rasheed Brokenborough, Will Cummings off the bench to handle the ball. You can start mixing and matching there. I was like, is you just a guy who's not 
a true point guard is going to go up against Howie Evans, who's a ball hawk and has the ability to be a menace. And Aaron could shut down Howie Evans defensively. He doesn't need. Yeah, I'm not. Howie Evans isn't on my floor to to score. <laughs> it's a two way game, Kyle. Yeah, it's fine. Howie Evans will be fine. He's my facilitator. It'll be okay. Who's the seventh man in the rotation, John? My seventh man. Who's the seventh guy in my rotation? Yeah. Uh, probably Dustin, but I wouldn't hesitate to play Alt McCullough and Charlie Rain and John Miller. Really, any of those. I mean, like getting into Greg Jefferson and Ernest Pollard. Deep, deep bench guys, Greg, again, like half the reason I took Greg was he was a character, had a great moment in the Penn State game. I'm not going to put him up against, I'll, I'll give Kyle this, I mean, like I wouldn't put Greg up against even like Keith Butler. Um, I took him there for character, took him there as a little nod to him. Um, I just want the people at home to hear that he is making my point for me. Like in the end, people got distracted. They got distracted by the shiny thing. They got distracted by, you know, memories from yesteryear. My guys are proven winners, proven production. Love my, still love my team though. McKee. We should. It's in the finals. Kevin wide Breezewick. I'm, I'm happy with, I think I go a legit in the finals. Like I'm Greg Jefferson's playing spot minutes. Ernest Powers playing spot minutes. Beyond that, my first eleven can rely on a lot of a lot of minutes from those guys. That, that team's going to shoot thirty one percent from the field. <laughs> you want to look up Vic's stats? I'm not. Uh, you said coll- collectively. Collectively, because they're going to have three anchors coming off the bench, <laughs> lowering that percentage. Meanwhile, Marty Sahersky just coming out. He's going to shoot sixty percent. I'm going to take him off in 11 minutes. Matt Lang was going to say, good job. I see why Kyle drafted you in the sixth round. And we're going to move on. All right. To close things out here, who's willing to divulge who they're going to vote for in the finals here? What are we doing? I might, I, I'll, I'll say it. I'll say who I'm going to vote for. I know who. I'm, I'm voting <laughs> I'm voting for John because Kyle, Kyle makes too much sense. And this is basketball. <laughs> and sometimes basketball doesn't make sense. So I'm rolling with John's team. Is that how you want to win, John? I, you want to win with, uh, with chaos thank, votes? Thank you. Thank you. Man. Kyle, Kyle's going to put five bigs on the floor. John's going to let it fly. John's going to shoot the hell out of the ball. I, I feel like guards every win, guards win in the tournament. I feel like Smart every tournament. one of your picks was just like you were focused on that pick. I don't think you ever thought about team composure, team construction. I think I, Mr. Cohen makes a good point, though. If, if, if Kyle's team were to hear Kyle talk like this, they could easily slip up and take John's team too lightly. Take three steps back, guys, and think to yourself that you are now trying to describe that a John DiCarlo team is going to be more chaotic than my team. Like, that's what you guys are arguing, is that the way that John has constructed something is going to somehow be more chaotic. Wait, you think chaos? You want chaos? He loves chaos. I am pro-chaos. signs the checks? Oh, that's the air thing. We haven't even topped into our, my bagman pick. My, my team will be out there. A snake, a fish rots from the head down. My fish is going to be rotting chaos all the way down. And if you're saying, oh, crazy things happen in basketball and it's not sensible, I assure you, come out and see the Kyle Gauss barnstorming all stars. Take it to the John DiCarlo milk toast. Milk toast? I've got guys that like. You want chaos in the finals? I want, I've got guys that are going to be cool. And defense rest. Chaos. The prosecution rest. I'm the prosecution in this scenario. <laughs> so we will have 
people vote on the internet uh, after this podcast comes out? Maybe. I honestly was like only a little bit tongue in cheek. I wish that we could just postpone this a couple of weeks because <laughs> I just, yeah. You're too, you don't want to miss it. I won't be involved. I won't be in the trenches with my guys. This is just like when you ship your, when you ship your kids off to college and you hope that they make the right choices. You're Billy like, Keenly doesn't watch life's, games. Life's timing is what it is. Varun, who are you voting for? Half uh, my guys, half my guys haven't even seen a third in color speak. yet, and they're going to be out there in the big world having to defend themselves against these people. I want to be there with my guys. Varun, I'm protesting Sorry. the results. <laughs> so, so a couple things here. I mean, uh, David Hawkins. Uh, one of my two favorite players. Yeah, you, you, have, a, uh, you have a very good backcourt. A very, very good backcourt. Um, but yeah, David Hawkins, one of my two favorite players all time at Temple. So got to go there. Um, but obviously, there's a spite angle, losing to Kyle, you know, just out of principle. I can't do it. Lean into um, that spite angle. But he's already emptied the holster. Yeah. I was unfazed. Um, but. I, I said this when we drafted John. I, I I did really like your team. I thought your I thought you, I thought I had the second best team. Um, I thought yours was the only team that was better than mine, because the voters didn't agree with that. But um, as I continue to take subtle shots here at Kyle, um, Man, it's crazy that this you know this truck came in with eleven votes from Pittsburgh during the seven hours I was asleep one night. It's really weird. <laughs> How a hundred percent of votes came in for the Pittsburgh guy during just, that time. They're legit votes. It's crazy. That's for just, that's just I will not. say the one thing I never tapped into like personal things. I never like reached out to like group chats or anybody be like, hey, people vote for me. I think some other people did, and I still came out on top. This sounds very 2020 election-ish. I'm just saying you don't just trust saying. the votes. I do trust the votes because I won, but I'm just saying. <laughs> Uh, I didn't talking with your hands whatsoever, on, and I still came away with an upset in the first round. And then I did, and I think the last one when I was going up against John, maybe when there was like five hours left of voting, I put a tweet out. That was it. I wanted that one so bad. I did close. I wanted that one so bad. Sam and beat John. I'm surprised you didn't start stuff in the ballot box. I let's, let, let's, I let Varun, let's let Varun finish his point. He already um, said he was voting for you. Oh, did? <laughs> yeah. Well, I did. Oh, also, um, just just the one clarify on the on the uh, semifinals. I think uh, John, my my mom voted for you. So there we go. Mother's into this. <laughs> you were so <laughs> That is. I, awesome. I, I, I didn't tell. I didn't tell. I told my I, I told my mom about it. I didn't ask her to vote, but she did. She was like, "Oh yeah, I saw John. Like John was in the the one below." So sorry, Sam. Apologize. Highlight. Uh, I will say both John and Varun had something going for them, which is like the people that are on Twitter, which in fairness, like I was perfectly okay with that being the way that we decide this. So it, I'm not really complaining, but like you guys have names that are going to resonate with people on Twitter. Like, sure. Like you get to point, you get to rest your head. In fact, like Aaron McKee, David Hawkins, like, yeah, that's going to be hard to overcome. Varun has like, Oh, people love Lingry. Oh, Marty Collins. People love Marty Collins. My guys not so many people did, uh, saw him play when they did play. Those people that did see him play probably aren't on Twitter. They're probably <laughs> on uh, Truth Social. Like, it is what it is. Unfortunately, my guys are going to go down swinging. <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> oh, man. Well, <laughs> well, 
when we talk, that was great. When we talk on next week's podcast, by then we will know who won, who won in the finals. I will not be on next week's podcast. If I'm on next week's podcast, pray for my wife. I will, I will not be on next week's podcast. Maybe if, if Meg and, and baby girl got Is it possible to make a Twitter poll longer than 24 hours? Yeah, I think so. I, I think like, you can say you're just, you just, what do you want this? How long do you want this Twitter poll to go on? <laughs> 40 days and 40 nights. <laughs> like, I think he wants to go on until November. It's yeah. 30 days until Temple football starts. That feels like 29 days of campaigning to me. That would have been the ultimate transition to start talking about football. <laughs> do you have yeah. enough campaign boosters to support a 29 day campaign? I literally just imagine, like, I in my mind, when I was thinking about this, I was imagining like video of like, clip of Howie Evans versus UNC like Bill Milk v I'll find like the him holding up the science like uh, Milk v 73 Wilk 69 like I was going to compile this video of just the reason my team is so much better and then it, two days later here we are and nothing's nothing's been done <laughs> I'll just probably roll out the same infographic I did against Varun and be like see statistically my team is still a lot better and that'll be that other than the you know cameos just coming at your character. <laughs> well, those of those of you who can vote on Twitter, please do. Those of you who don't have Twitter, find somebody who does and get your vote in that way. Or make your own. Yeah. Yeah. You can always sign up for yes, yeah, sign up, sign up for Twitter. Maybe just sign up and just tweeting your vote and then you know vote for Kyle Gauss. Send me a screenshot of the fact that you voted for Kyle Gauss. You'll be entered in the raffle where the winner gets uh, access to my embarrassing photos of John DiCarlo uh, photo album. Is that a- Which that is very much a real thing. That was not a form of extortion. Yeah, I know it's a real thing. <laughs> Some of which I was, I was dumb enough to send you. They're all here, boys. Yeah. <laughs> Just to make things clear, these are embarrassing photos of me, mostly through middle school years or me just blinking in photos and stuff like that. No, <laughs> if you think, if you think these are like mostly just photos of you as a teen where everyone's awkward. Oh, no, buddy. No, oh, they're not no. <laughs> there are some grown man photos. <laughs> I just want to make sure that people know I'm not like doing anything like incriminating in these photos. It's <laughs> embarrassing photos where I just don't look good. Depends what state you're in. John, you're, you're helping Kyle campaign for votes. You can't. You can't add. Right. No, I'm winning. I'm. I'm winning. I'm winning this game. I'm confident. Yeah. My team. I love my team. Um, yeah, I mean, look, it's it's a real shame that we couldn't, you know, meet each other at full strength. I mean, it's just if I, you know, it's like if I, you know, had more time to prepare. You never know. We'll never know, John. Somebody said next year you guys should do Baba. We are not doing this next year. This cannot be an every year thing. Because we gotta around your schedule. We gotta stretch these out. Well, I, we like definitely like uh, I was talking. I was actually talking to Lynn about it, and uh, I was saying we're like, talking we're, to Lynn Greer about this. Yeah, that's great. Um, Did you tell Lynn to vote for my team? You tell Lynn that uh, he lost. I will, <laughs> I will. I will. I will. I will relay that to him too. Uh, I don't because I, I don't know if he's on Twitter. So, but tell him to log into his son's account and vote that way. <laughs> I don't think any of my guys have a big social media following. That's your. I don't think a single one of them have a, have a legitimate social presence. That's your. That's your fault, Kyle. I mean, you should have. Uh, like Lavoy Allen's been like unofficially retired for like five years. He's just living life. I mean, if you knew heading into the draft, yeah, no, quite size twenty twenty, man. 
I don't know. Anyway, again, thanks for listening and sticking, sticking with us on this. It, it has been a lot of fun. The final should be fun. So those of you who are able to vote, please do regardless of, uh, you know, whether you vote for me or for Kyle. I will say the matchup with Vroom was like legitimately exhausting because for just like 18 hours, I was just staring at Twitter. <laughs> Refresher. And we found out though, or at least I found out Twitter polls. Like it feels like you would see like nothing, nothing, nothing. And then like 15 minutes, like here's all like seven votes. It would just like update sporadically. Like, Oh, cool. Now all of a sudden I'm losing by however many. How would Vroom are the Jay Cutler and Philip Rivers of this whole thing? I'm definitely Jay Cutler in that scenario. I'm definitely Jay Cutler in that scenario. <laughs> Varun, you're going to have 14 kids if you're Phil Rivers. <laughs> <laughs> the question now is, Sam Newman and Varun Kumar, do you guys want to stick around on the pod and talk Temple football? Why not? Varun, I, I, I would, but I actually have to go run, pick up the keys to my new apartment. So there you go. Uh, I would under any other circumstance, but I do have to run. Into the apartment and set up a board for next year's draft. Just start scrolling on the walls. Your your big board for the all time tuple draft. <laughs> Love it. Be the first thing he hangs up in his new apartment in the strip district, right? Yep. Yes, sir. What about a uh, Temple football draft? We can do, do it. Fourteen that rounds, seven players that, in each side of the ball. That would be. Let's do it. Would, ooh, I'm 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 100 into that. That's. Right. Rune Kumar more engaged in Temple sports talk than his alma mater, the Pit, but. That is true. I am I am wearing I am wearing uh, my Peach Bowl shirt right now. So, I I didn't take advantage of that. Somebody at one point, I think it was um during the matchup with uh, Dante. Someone was like, "He didn't even go to Temple. He went to Pitt." I didn't I didn't harp on that. I let the team speak that, for themselves. That that's my friend Mark, who is who actually went to Temple and uh, probably and probably voted for you anyway. <laughs> no, he did not. No, yeah. I can confirm that he was actively campaigning groups to vote against him. <laughs> Uh, well, thanks, buddy. I appreciate it. Uh, appreciate Absolutely. Hopping on the pod, talk about his team, talk about the draft. We'll talk to you soon, buddy. All right. Thanks for having me on. All right. As promised, as we said, we would talk to you about the Temple football team, which is, I believe they, they originally were expecting their first preseason camp practice to be Thursday, but they, they practiced today, according That's to. Is that true to say? It was always the first day they were allowed to by the NCAA. Yeah. So they practiced today. Um, again, we will have a lot of coverage for you leading up to the season opener at Duke. Want to mention before we go any further, um, we, we've mentioned we'll have a lot of premium content coming up. Rivals is running a free trial through the month of August. The promo code is kickoff 2022. Uh, the offer is valid through August 6th. We'll be tweeting out that link. So if you are not yet an alscoop.com subscriber, you'll have the opportunity to subscribe, uh, get a free month, free trial month through the month of August. So definitely take advantage of that. Uh, if that offer tripled, if you vote for Kyle Gauss in the poll, that's <laughs> no way is that no way, shape or form. Is that true? But I don't know. It doesn't hurt to try. I was raising his eyebrows as if he can make it true. As I mean, if he can, as if he I can, do. as if he I can do. smirk it into existence. I do have the ability to just edit people's <laughs> subscriptions. Right. So send it my way. Can't hurt. There you go. Um, We'll have some recruiting coverage for you. Uh, speaking of that, Temple is up to 14 verbal commitments now. Uh, they got Sayil Powell, a verbal from him. Again, we're recording this recording this on Wednesday afternoon. Sayil Powell announced his verbal commitment to Temple on Tuesday from Paramus Catholic. Uh, around 6'1", 180 pounds, projects as a safety 
at the next level. So they're up to 14 verbals now. Um, Kyle could be talking to him at some point in the, in the, in the near future. Supposed to be talking to him tonight. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, Kyle, what do you make of this one? Surprise, not surprised. I kind of had a hunch when, you know, Chris Woods, I think, right. Sent out the, what the okay. coaches will do sometimes as most of you know, if they, if they get a commitment, they'll send out some sort of smoke signal on social media and we're left to guess. Okay. Who, who is it? Um, 14 verbals. Now, again, we are sitting here on August 3rd. Um, what do you, what do you make his addition to the class? So far? yeah, I mean, I think he's a guy who his recruitment, um, and his after like following his junior year was, uh, probably a little higher. Like he was getting some big 10 offers. He had interest from, uh, Nate McNeil, Nate McNeil and, uh, Illinois. I think he's a guy that, yeah, once Chris Woods tweeted, Chris Woods has kind of been a lot of like their North Jersey guys. Um, so that was kind of like an inkling on my part before we kind of confirm that he's the type of guy you expect to get relatively local has offers at like the American and higher level. Uh, I think he's going to be a safety, but at that size, six, one, you never know if he goes in there an injured two, maybe gets a little bigger. He could be more of like an outside linebacker uh, to be determined. But yeah, I think it's a good guy. I could get, he's a guy that was in on that official visit group, you know, six, seven weeks ago that kind of just was still taking it slow. Um, I think a lot of times when someone comes to an official visit and then seven weeks later, they still haven't decided like mentally you kind of move on from them because you just assume like if they were going to commit, they wouldn't commit already. Uh, but yeah, good get on their part. Uh, recruiting, I would imagine is probably going to take a little bit of a time off for the next six weeks or so while they focus on fall camp. So it was a good uh, momentum swing on their part before they get into fall camp. All right. So Temple has 14 verbals now. Uh, again, if you are an outscoop.com subscriber, you can check out the story uh, that I just did on Peter Clark, the tight end from the NFL Academy in London. Uh, he is going to be announcing his decision on August 10th. Uh, doesn't, you know, one of the things he told me was he doesn't have a top three, top five list or anything like that. But I get the, you know, get the indication from talking to him that, you know, he said Temple is in the mix, uh, seems to have a good relationship with the staff. You can check out that story there. So keep an eye on his decision a little, well, actually a week from now, he'll be announcing on Instagram live. So stay tuned uh, for that. And again, if you have not signed up, if you're not an Alscoop subscriber, if you want to sign up for the free trial, you can read my story on Peter Clark. It's the second story we've done on him. He's got a really cool story. Um, uh, if we head into uh, uh, heading into talking about preseason camp here uh, again, if you're a Temple fan, you know the deal. They're coming off a three and nine season. Uh, new staff uh, under Stan Drayton. Uh, a lot of newness to this, as we've said before. Very few position battles where you'd say, okay, things are super solidified there. Um, they had their media day yesterday. They had their, their media day with the American uh, right after their session, their media day session with the American Athletic Conference was right after the in-person one they did over at Edinburgh Girls and Hall. It was over there. Um, you can check out our coverage from that. Listen to the audio. A lot of takeaways. Again, a lot of the, the storylines that you would expect heading into this. Um, Stan was asked about the quarterbacks, you know, could he play two quarterbacks? One of the things that he said was, you know, I feel like we don't have any quote independent contractors there anymore at that position. So, you know, it sounds like, again, at this juncture, very early in camp, which is say the first day of camp, he feels like a two quarterback system could work if that presents itself with Dewan Mathis and Quincy Patterson. Um, he talked about how he feels Dewan Mathis has come a long way. He's progressed a lot. 
has not shied away from competition. Uh, and talking about that, Stan said, for example, we're struggling running the football. Now, going back and listening to what he said, I couldn't really tell if he was saying that as a present day thing, uh, if he feels like they are currently struggling running the football, or if he if it was more scenario based or a hypothetical. So he was kind of saying there, if uh, if he were to say if we're struggling running the football they could maybe shake things up in the run game if they're not getting in anything from Ed Sadie, uh, Darvon Hubbard, Trey Blair, anybody at that position. They could shake things up there with a guy like Quincy Patterson, more of a running quarterback from his time at Virginia Tech and North Dakota State. Um, but obviously, we'll see how things play out at the quarterback position. I, I mean, just in listening to him, I, I get the sense that neither one of these guys is really going to run away from the run away with the job. I could see him going with a two QB system here, even if it is like a third series dedicated to Quincy Patterson or something like that. Can you guys see things playing out like that? I honestly, I didn't get that vibe whatsoever. I mean, I wasn't there, so I can't tell you that, but having listened to it, my take of that was Dwan Mathis as the inside path to this job is the way I was kind of viewing it is that Dwan Mathis physically Dwan Mathis has always had the advantage over any college quarterback, well, since he got the Temple, any college quarterback group that he's been in, it's everything else. And if he's finally made that step in like the maturity aspect and really command that room, then I think he has the inside path in it. Oh, I, I kinda, do. I just think you're going to see. I just think you're. I think Dwan has the inside path to the job, but I think you're going to see some Quincy Powers. Too. Well, I guess it depends what you mean by like a two quarterback system. Like if you're saying like, do you think? Do I think that it's going to be like an 80-20 split? No, or like a seventy thirty or something like that. Do I think that like Quincy Patterson will get like some carries? Sure, but I'm just not sure if I can categorize that as a two quarterback system. Sam, take off your Clemson hat for a second. Is it weird to be hearing this much Temple football talk, or does it still feel natural to you? I mean, it still feels pretty natural. I mean, I obviously follow everything that you guys do. I still listen to the scoop, so I'm like, you know, I'm still in kind of the realm of everything. Um, yeah, it still feels pretty natural. I mean, if I thought you were going to ask, is it does it feel weird to be hearing that a team is playing with two different quarterbacks? Um, in that case, I mean, I, I don't know, but you have to also look at it like from the standpoint of what it's going to be like Dewan has not been very durable during his college career. That's definitely something you have to probably pay attention to. And that's probably why they got insurance like Quincy Patterson, somebody who could probably play at this level and, and do so successfully. But I mean, I, I feel like everything is going to, I mean, this is a pretty traditional football saying, and I hope I'm not sounding cliche, but it's going to, everything's going to come down to how their offensive line plays. I feel like they're going to be a run first football team just like the team I'm covering is going to be, but uh, you know, that, that, that's how they're going to win games just by running the ball in, to set up the pass for, for math. That's, that's going to be the big question though. Cause like, no, they don't really have, and maybe, maybe Darvon Hubbard needs a, an opportunity. I, I'll say this. I was, I actually was going to say this, that let, we'll segue into this next piece of audio here or the first piece of audio they're playing for you. When I followed up about the running game, you know, I asked, Stan about this. And I said, you, you talked about maybe struggling running the football. Um, then he said, well, Stan kind of, I don't know if he backtracked or maybe I was misunderstanding what he was saying. He said, he feels like they have what they need at that position, even though he didn't talk about a specific player. He talked about utilizing their different strengths. Um, I still don't get the sense that he feels confident in like one guy, whether that is Sadie, whether it's Darvon Hubbard, whether it's Trey Blair. Um, so we're going to, we're going to play this clip here. This is Stan Drayton talking about the running backs again. It's early. We talked about this last week before camp started, but this is Stan Drayton talking about the running back group. Stan, running back, I know you said that's an area where 
sound concerned there. You said we're still struggling to run the ball. That's the position you've been accustomed to. Is there anybody that's even in the offseason between the spring and, and preseason camp that started to evolve out, you know, off the field, anybody that you feel conf- confident, or is it just truly like wide open there? No, I think I think there will be, you know, we have to have four to five guys ready to play. And a lot of that is system based. You know, we're gonna ask guys to do certain things and certain guys bring strength as weaknesses to the table, right? So we're gonna play into their strengths and try to enhance their, their weaknesses along the way. Um, but I think, like offensive line, you know, um, it takes some time to develop, especially the way we're developing the running back and the way we need the running back position to play within the system. They have to get in their meeting room, uh, which they have, and learn defense so they can anticipate situations. You know, they have to get in with the offensive line and, and learn the blocking schemes, which they did. Know, so they can become a little bit more productive, uh, eliminate the waste of movements behind the line of scrimmage and things of that sort, all the things that showed up in the spring, right? So I can't wait to see that unit. I think Coach Brown has done a phenomenal job of um, you know, developing them um, post-spring ball you know, to, to, to really enhance those things that we just talked about. And just listening to them, how confident, how more confident they are, you know, and, uh, and their knowledge of the system and their knowledge of defense. And they can't wait to see what that looks like when the ball is in their hands. So, you know, as long as they do two things, you know, um, protect the quarterback and protect the football, I think that we have what we need in that group to be productive. All right. Um, another thing that, that I talked to Stan about is whether or not they'll be hitting and tackling to the ground, which pretty much every college coach in America is grappling with. Uh, it sounds like they're still very much listening to the feedback they're getting there in terms of their sports performance staff and their sports science guys. Um, and it sounds like that is going to be part of it. Again, just a reminder that we typically are only going to see the first 15 minutes of practice. We are not going to be seeing practice in its entirety. So we wouldn't even be able to tell you how much they're hitting without just talking to the coaches and asking them about it and listening uh, to what they tell us. But uh, on that subject, along those lines, here's what Stan Drayton talked to me about when I asked him about his philosophy on how much they're going to be hitting and tackling to the ground. Stan, when it comes to putting together the, the schedule, you kind of went through that in the spring. How much do you take from that? And how much is different now with like sports science, how much you hit and all that stuff compared to like when you were at Ohio State or even in Texas recently? Yeah, sports science piece is huge, you know, and to sit here and be able to you know, pretend like I know everything about that stuff. No, I hire guys that are smarter than me in that area. And uh, so, you know, we took their body composition and, you know, uh, uh, whenever you're able to to gather information scientifically uh, to enhance their performance, uh, it's it's, it's a true advantage, you know, not only for the football program, but for the individual, you know. So, no, it it plays a huge part in it. And uh, there's times where, yes, I may want to, you know, practice for two hours at a time, but if that's not the right thing, given power loads and given information, then, you know, it's forcing me to find a way to practice more efficiently, mm-hmm. you know, so it, it plays a lot into it. And, you know, uh, me being kind of old school in that respect, I have to step outside of myself and, and listen to our, our trainers, listen to our strength staff and, and uh, allow them to put their input in there uh, that 
best help us be the most productive. How much will you guys kind of like hit tackle to the ground and all that stuff, or is that like a day-to-day thing? We got to do as much as we need, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, and, and be smart in that respect. I got to make sure I got 11 on both sides of the ball, 11 on special teams come, uh, you know, Saturday against Duke, right? So, no, I just think that uh, we need to do as much as we need to. There's going to be plenty of opportunity uh, in team settings when offense plays against defense to see where we are. All right, but um, there's also opportunity within individual time to, to hone in on those skills uh, in platoon settings, side of ball settings, where they can really work on those those skill sets to help us be really effective at tackling. All right, so Sam, you you mentioned the strength of of the offensive line and being able to run the ball. Let's talk about that for a second. Uh, we mentioned, I believe, last week, and I th- I do think this will be interesting to watch because taking the spring game for what it is. And again, there are always some stat stars. There are guys that are standouts. There are certain things you can take from the spring game, certain things you can't take from the spring game, but there were some problems with, you know, exchanges between the center and and the quarterback there. And it seems pretty clear that Adam Klein is going to be playing right tackle and not center. So CJ Perez is is gone. Um, I mean, we're looking at what Isaac Moore at left tackle, um, it's going to be at left guard. Why am I drawing a blank at left guard? Could be Corshi. Could be Rich Rodriguez. Well, I think Wiz is probably, don't we think? I, th- I think he's the center. center. Yeah. I yeah. think he is, but you never know. You thinking Rodriguez at left guard, Corsh, Wiz, Wisdom Corshi at center, uh, Kleins at right tackle. Um, the, honestly, the, the way that we're like hesitating with this is why I was a little surprised to hear that Adam Kleins going to be playing right tackle because like, I feel like I can name guys that could slide in that tackle better than I can name guys that could slide in interior, but obviously, you know, the people that get paid to make those decisions think otherwise. This yeah. is no disrespect to Adam Klein, but I feel like he was a lot better in his Temple career when he was playing at, at right tackle. I mean, if yeah. under Jeff Collins and first season under Rod Carey, when they started moving him around a little bit, I mean, granted the injuries happened in the football, but he started getting injured and then his, his level of play wasn't as good as when he was playing guard and maybe – I don't know if he played center at all, but they did have him cross train there. So. I would I would agree with that, but I would also say that that probably also corresponds with the fact that like the rest of the offensive yeah. line was better. No, I mean, like they had Matt Hennessy. Like the when your interior is that short up, it's a little easier to play tackle. But. Let me ask you guys this question: How much? How much of a difference do we think when it comes down to the offensive line? As cliche as it sounds, you know. That line plays a lot better. They are going to be able, Sam said, to be able to run the ball better, take a little bit of pressure off to Wild Matt, this Quincy Patterson, whoever's playing quarterback there. Um, you have a couple of things. I don't want to say short things on the line, but you have experience in Adam Klein, Isaac Moore, guys like that, some experience in Wisdom Quarshi, but you still got some question marks there. How much of a leap do you think that line will take, or will they take a bigger leap with – a, a new strength staff with the players seem to be raving about and B, the, re- the return of Chris, Chris Wiesahan. How much of a difference do you think that makes for the program this year? Oh, a lot. It's Listen, it's going to be – I don't think you can define how much better it'll be than what last year was. I think that's going to be a lot of things on this team, mm-hmm. especially the offensive line. Like you said, Wiesahan, new strength coach, and a new dedication to running the football, which big guys up front love to do. Um, I just think is where they're going to earn their money is really the pass game. Like, of course, it's going to be a run-first team, but the whole quarterback situation, which is why I'm not giving it 
too much press. Like, I don't know what Dewan Mathis has accomplished as a collegiate quarterback. Granted, the guy's been through some things and his comeback story is tremendous. But football-wise, I don't know what the guy has accomplished. And Quincy Patterson, I don't know that on this level, you can just clearly say he's going to be a better quarterback than Dewan Mathis. Um, it, it all depends on the O-line, I guess, because they're, they're going to make those guys look good and the receivers. So, I don't know. But to your original question, yeah, they'll be so much better than last year because of the personnel that are around them. I, I wanted to make a point. I mean, I, I feel like sometimes we, you know, obviously we talk about running the ball a lot, but I felt like every time I, I had the opportunity to turn on a Temple game that didn't kind of counteract with, with the Clemson game, it was like third and 11 and they would throw a push pass and then punt. So I feel like there was so much pressure on Dewan to be able to make plays that he wasn't able to necessarily make because of the limited personnel, the play calling, or him being injured. So I think this year might be. But also, I'm, football-wise, Dewan Mathis made a lot of bad reads and had a lot of bad fundamentals last season, too. I can't blame all of his struggles on the offensive line. I've seen – he did. Come out. he did. Yeah, no, you're exactly right. But I mean, I don't, I don't exactly, you can look at it. I think two things can be correct. He, he didn't yeah. play particularly well, but he also was not put in it, placed in a position to succeed. I think that was pretty, pretty clear after the first game that, that he wasn't going to, he was going to have to run for his life if they wanted to make plays happen. Am, am I crazy for thinking it's not a foregone conclusion that they're a run first team? No, that's exactly that's exactly what I was just going to say. I mean, oh, yeah. if you take a look at again. Danny Langsdorf throws the ball. Danny Langsdorf <laughs> throws the ball a lot. Every stop in a guy's career can be different, of course. But um, and I do want to play going back to. I'll get back to it in a second. We're talking about the the. Um, we're going to play for a, a play clip for you guys in a second about uh, Adam Klein talking about the new strength coaches. But Kyle, I, I agree with you. I was going to ask you guys. Just that question, do we think it's going to be a foregone conclusion? Because Danny Langsdorf in previous coaching stops likes to throw the ball. And I mean, how do we know? And again, we are going to get actually going to get Danny Langsdorf, DJ Elliott and Adam Shire on Friday. So we'll have some audio for you guys next week after we talk to them. But I mean, how do we know that they're not going to get frustrated if Ed Sadie, you know, Ed Sadie, Darvon Hubbard, if they're not if they're not getting things going in the run game, does does Danny Langsdorf say, all right, I like what I have, and David Martin Robinson is a guy who is a good safety valve over the middle, or maybe can stretch the field a little bit. And maybe they really like what they have in Adonica Sanders from, from, from Georgia Tech. And maybe they like, you know, what they have, you know, at receiver there with, with other options, Ahmad Anderson on those on, I don't know how much they're going to be doing push passes and stuff, but you know, I, I don't know. I agree with you, Kyle. I don't know that they're definitely going to be like a, a run first type of team. I think it's, I think they're going to look to throw it a fair amount. Now, again, they also get frustrated on the other end. If the, if the Mathis isn't making great decisions with the ball. And if they go to Quincy Patterson and Quincy is a better runner than a thrower, I, I don't know. I mean, it's again, that's what with a new staff coming in with a, a, a different roster, Sure, there are question marks on both ends of it, but I would agree with that. I don't know that they're necessarily going to be like this one first team. I don't know that we'll get an answer on that. When you ask coaches, how would you break things down? They're going to say, oh, we want to be multiple. We want to be a balanced offense. That's assuming what I would, that's what I would assume they would say. But I agree with you, Kyle. I don't know that they're necessarily going to be a run first type of type of team. I don't know what Sam, Javon, I don't know what you guys think about that. But that assumption that they're going to be run first. Yeah. 
tells you everyone's perspective on that quarterback room. Hmm. Yeah. I think it's more just because Stan Drain's a running backs coach. Yeah. That too, yeah. but it's a combination. I think yeah. both things can be true at the same time. Sure. That and uh, I think it's just something that a team like Temple is just going to probably need the, if, to set up to have a successful pass game. I mean, if, yeah. you know, I don't, I don't think DeJuan Mathis can survive throwing the ball 40 times a game. It's just well, – they're behind the eight ball a little bit. The way you're not going to out UCF, UCF, right? Or all UCF runs, but you get my point. Like you're not going to like throw the uh, all of a sudden become this 400 passing yard a game team. So like the way that it might behoove them to win games in the beginning might be, look, let's get back to running the ball. So it could be that, but I don't think, I mean, Dan Langsdorf threw the ball crap ton of Oregon state. Granted, they also had Brandon cooks, but right. Threw the ball a lot. They did mention that we have a clip here for you. This is Adam Klein talking about, the new strength staff, Chris Fennelin, Andrew, Andrew Brooks, Justin Gallick, and Bruce Johnson. Again, you know, this sounds like a little bit of hearsay. I'm not even talking so much about, well, obviously the, um, you know, you had, um, I, I mean, there were just people saying to me, you know, uh, you'd hear through the grapevine, like, yeah, I'm not loving the, the, the previous strength staff. I mean. Or you hear it on Twitter. Or yeah, Iverson Clement took direct, you know, direct shots at them. Uh, and there was that whole deal, but you have heard, and again, part of it could be just the newness of everything, but, but a lot of the players have been very complimentary. The coach has been complimentary of the new strength staff, Chris Fallon, like I said, Andrew Brooks, Justin Gallick, Bruce Johnson, from a strength sports science, sports performance perspective. Uh, a couple of the guys have talked about feeling better, looking better, feeling like they're in better shape. So I asked Adam Klein about that um, on uh, last Thursday during media day. And this is Adam Klein talking about, uh, the new strength staff. Adam, you've been through a couple of different coaching transitions, and I hear guys talk about like with that, the strength staff is like one of the biggest adjustments. Like, how much do you adjust to that? Because those guys are always those guys are with you sometimes more than your position coaches are. Like, how much has that been like a difference? How much have those guys brought out of you? How are they? How they help? How are they different from previous staffs? Yeah, um, I think it's a. The thing about Coach Chris and you know the rest of his you know strength staff is just I think the energy they bring is just very contagious. Um, you know when we're in the weight room, like it's not always you know put on the players to bring the energy. Uh, like I think sometimes you know in the past it's kind of like that, but with you know Coach Chris and I, like it's like they kind of bring the juice every day. You know that kind of word. You know um, they're very professional. They have you know, unbelievable resumes. Uh, if you look at their past history with different schools, you know, NFL experience. So I just think, you know, the amount of time we've spent with them since January has been so important. You know, we've worked really hard in the weight room. Uh, and I think that's, you know, the base of any football team. I think the foundation is the weight room and the strength staff, because like you said, it's every, we see them every single day. Like you're not going to see the head coach or your position coach every single day. You know, they have time off in the summer um, and the winter, but those strength coaches are the first people you're going to see every single morning. And for us, it was at 6.30 in the morning every day. So it's always a nice little wake-up call in the morning. So, I mean, I love every single one of them, and they've done a great job with all of us. I think you can tell by just looking at the bodies of every guy from this year compared to last year, I think our bodies have definitely changed. I think there's a lot of guys that are bigger, faster, and stronger. And uh, I think they've done a great job, and I can't say enough good things about them. All right, so again, as a reminder, uh, this coming Friday – we will get to talk to Stan Drayton 
and his coordinators, DJ Elliott, Danny Langsdorf, Adam Shire. And then on Monday, we'll get Stan and then the wide receivers coach, uh, Jafar Williams, cornerbacks coach, Jules Montanar. So we'll have that audio for you, some of that audio uh, heading into next week. Again, if you're an alscoop.com subscriber, keep an eye out for those stories. Um, and, uh, and then later in this month, we'll start getting access to players, something that we didn't have uh, in spring ball. Again, we got to talk to a few players last week, uh, but that's some of the coverage you can look forward to in the coming days. Uh, let's head over to close things out. Let's head over to the mailbag here. we got some football questions and some basketball questions. Um, this was one that kind of answered itself on the message boards. The screen name here is SHU source. Uh, the question here was, this might be the least significant question ever tossed into the mailbag by me to ask us for a while. No, it's not. <laughs> and, uh, I assure you say, it's not. I was going to say, don't be so hard on yourself. There have been some questions that we look at and we're very appreciative of getting said questions, but you know, this is not the least significant question ever tossed into the mailbag. So his question was in Deion Dawkins recorded intro to the scoop. What is the last thing he says? The first couple of times I thought it was enjoy the show. It is about, uh, it is about that quick and it, that's uh, that same kind of cadence. But once I really paid attention, I realized that's not it at all. I just can't make it out. I swear I'm not a hundred years old. So Dion is saying you already should know that's part of his. No, no, Tom, Tom, John, you butchered yeah. it. No, he's not. Butchered it. What? Yeah. You butchered it. That's you not how he's it. saying it. <laughs> I know. I'm slow. I'm slowing it down for SHU source here. But he's no, not but saying you already know should know. The, you already know, but you're just saying snow. Like it's right. Just, yeah. Right. And his whole thing, the snowman, I actually, if you want to look back and listen back to last season, it was either end of season six or beginning of season seven, when Dion came back to campus last summer uh, and spoke to the team, I, I got to talk to Dion for about 20 minutes or so, use that audio for the scoop. He tells that whole, tells that whole story. Um, but yes, that is, that is what he's, he's saying there. And again, some of our, our subscribers went on to, explain that to SHU source there, but uh, we would uh, answer that on the pod. And um, next question here is from the screen name TU1834. This is more, I thought this was kind of a fun one. And he's talking about the basketball team here. Are there any players in your time covering the team you thought might be good enough to make this sort of draft, but never got there? So I actually wanted to follow up with them. I'm assuming that he's asking there guys that you thought were going to be really good and kind of I guess underachieved for lack of a lack of a better word, I guess you would say. I don't know. Kyle, I'll start with you. Anybody like over the years of covering Temple Hoops where you thought a guy was gonna be really good and just yeah, I have one. I have one that it's the he did he did end up being pretty good, just not here. Uh I, I thought if Aaron Brown had stayed all four years, he would have been like an all-conference level guard by the fourth year. Instead, he goes to Southern Miss and he ends up at Boston College and becomes a you know. 14 point a game guy or whatever in the ACC. But if he had stuck around, he would have gotten drafted in um, our, in our draft, not in the NBA. A couple of like random names that, that jump out to me. Um, I remember, and, and you know, I think, I think Fran kind of put him in a little bit of a box, but again, never, never really panned out for him. But, you know, when they recruited Martavis key out of Florida and Fran Dunphy said his leftiness reminds me of Lynn Greer. And I thought, oh, OK, that's a hell of a box to put on a put a player in. He left it for one year, right? What's that? He was here like one year. Yeah. And it never worked out for him. I mean, there are there are a lot of guys like this. This happens. I remember this is very, very randomly. And, and 
And someone else might say like, you're literally the only person who would have thought of this. They, they got a transfer back in the nineties, a guy named Michael Taub, a local guy that had transferred in from, uh, from Clemson and he was athletic and people were hoping that he was going to be really good and things never, never panned out there. I mean, I'm sure there are like, there are a few guys. Isn't Trey Lowe? Yeah, Trey Lowe is. Yeah. Trey Lowe. But that's a little more tragic. Yeah. I mean, Trey Lowe. I think it still fits under the umbrella, but it's. it's oh, absolutely. It's yeah. I mean, that's a great, that's a great addition to the list. I mean, obviously Trey Lowe looked like he had a very, very bright, future ahead of him. I may think, you know, we were talking about this last week, right? Kyle pointed out that, you know, how many game, how many points did he have in that game against Villanova? Yeah, we talked about this on the draft because Sam asked if he had ever yes. played. And I was like, yeah, 21 points the, the night before. Yeah. That's yeah. Like, literally the night before his accident, right? Yeah, I think literally yeah. the night before. I'm now, I'm now blending together our conversation on Zoom during the draft versus an actual podcast. But yeah, and then Trey, unfortunately, was in a, a car accident where he was, you know, Almost, I mean, it was a very, very serious car accident, and he never was able to come back and play, which is just a a real shame. He was, you know, he's a terrific, terrific kid, and um, I think it's reasonable to assume that he would have gone on to a pretty good career. And sure. that night, uh, I mean, Temple lost that game, but that night, you know, Jay Wright, you know, definitely tossed a few compliments at him and said, "Yeah, we re- we recruited him." You know, I don't know where he was on their board, but they recruited Trey Lowe. They really liked him a lot, and. Uh, just a really, really unfortunate development for, for him, I would say. Sam, you look like you're about to say something. Yeah, just like one last thing. I mean, out of the four guys that Dunphy – like Dunphy's last big recruiting class with Justin Hamilton, uh, Napier, Louis, J.P. Mormon, Justin Hamilton, was there any guy of those guys that you thought might have developed more into being – Dre Perry. Or that they weren't? Dre Perry. Yeah, yeah, I would say Dre more than JP. I mean, I just remember, you know, some of the conversations blend together when like, whether you get to interview a coach or whether you're just talking to him off the record, I I think that, and this is going to sound like a shot at JP, and I don't mean it to be, I think that, you know, JP, by his own admission, like really like, grew a little bit more like grew in terms of like the offers he got, not that he was getting a ton of high major offers. I think that I think that the ceiling for JP was always going to be role player, a guy who could develop a little bit of like an undersized inside outside game. And that's like, you know, part of what you saw. I think that they thought that Dre Perry had a little bit of a higher ceiling. Um, They really liked him. Uh, You know, Dwayne Killings was recruiting him pretty hard and then DK left and, and ended up at UConn. And once he ended up on Kevin Ollie's staff at UConn, you know, a couple of people thought, I remember a couple of people, a couple of sources I talked to said it might be a little bit tougher for Temple to get him. Now they had a good connection there, but they got Dre regardless. And I think that and they reunited at Albany. Yeah, they reunited at Albany. Um, I think that the perception, the outside perception was at least that, that Dre probably a little bit of a higher ceiling. Kyle, you agree with that? Yeah, that's why I said yes. it. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean, he had a, like, even just if you took a step back and look at the recruiting profiles, like, at some point, he had like ACC level offers, and then I, I actually remember where I was when he committed. And meanwhile, the rest of that class was a bunch other than Nate was um a little bit like reaches to an extent. Like they kind of reached for Justin Hamilton a bit. They were by far his best offer. JP, they were by far his best offer. Dre was the guy that you're like, okay, maybe he becomes like a bigger, beefier Quentin DeCozy. Maybe he comes becomes like that strong wing player, and he's never did. He had to play that position a lot because it's Temple basketball. But Wasn't he a hell of a high school player. Like he, yeah, I mean, Dre Perry 
was, I think John's expectation of him comes from this modern trend of basketball. And, and I'm not saying this because the school Dre Perry went to is the arch nemesis of my parents or anything, <laughs> but poly basketball was never worth anything in history, period. And Dre Perry was a part of the team that finally became something. And not only did they become something in the city of Baltimore, they actually started playing the national schedule. Right. So when this a story that feels that good, you're going to look for a player on that team and have more expectations of him than you should have and, and see him as a better player than they are. Because that's just a trend of basketball. I'm not saying Drake Perry I'm just going to say this. I'm going to tell you, be 100% honest with you, Javon, I could not have told you a, anything about Pauly's history. So I'm saying I wouldn't from, this, be, area, from yeah. this area. From, yeah, I'm, I'm just from, saying from, an out, from like a, a more regional perspective, like that didn't factor into my expectations whatsoever. Right. Yeah. So, I mean, so. you could always see the potential there. You just, I mean, yeah. he wasn't able to hit as many as – Shots yeah. that he probably should have been hitting. And like you said, out of position. Play that, that, yeah, that, that and playing, being asked, yeah, play. playing out of position. And I think, obviously, before we move on to the next question, I think, again, Aaron comes in, wants to reshape the roster, and I think he saw a combination of, like, I want to upgrade here, and then I have certain guys playing out of position, and I, I think that's a, a good point. Um, last couple of questions here, the next, the next one from the screening, GLMPA. Would it be possible to get a scouting heads up on our opponents, preferably non-conference opponents first? Yes, even Lafayette and then AAC programs. Enjoying the basketball, uh, the, enjoying the fantasy basketball tournament. Appreciate that. I, I mean, it's going to be kind of really appreciate the question, as Randolph used to say. Um, I think it's going to be kind of useless to go way down the the line here to, to preview everyone on the schedule. Uh, we do previews. We do game day previews every week. I, I mean, if you want to look a little bit at Duke, um, and, I mean, this is stuff that's I'm going to break any news here. I mean, they were that, that's going to be a really interesting opener because both programs are on the rebuild there. Temple's going on the road. They were Duke was three and nine overall last year, winless in the ACC. They hired Mike Elko, who, you know, interestingly enough, turned down the Temple job uh, before they hired Manny Diaz. And then before Manny Diaz left for Miami 18 days later. They're improving a lot of spots. You might think that they have a little bit more of an edge on defense there because of the the experience that Mike Alco brings in, but they've got a lot of question marks too. And so, uh, I mean, Lafayette, just, they're leopards. Yes, that will be hard to account for. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, if I would, I would expect Temple to, to win that game. Yeah. But like it's a buy, it's a, they're buying a win there. Is what yeah. that's the whole point of Lafayette. Game. Yeah, I yeah. personally didn't know they had a team until I. Saw yeah, they have the oldest game. college football rivalry in the nation, them and Lehigh. Yeah. That's a regional thing. If you're from up here, Javon. <laughs> regional thing. See, like yeah. you said, boom. Because yeah, um, nobody down here cares no, you shouldn't. No, you shouldn't. about Lafayette and Lehigh. You should. <laughs> and it's supposed to be a good time. I've heard that's a good time yeah. and a good party for that game. Uh, but, yeah, GL and PA, well, I mean, we'll have previews every week. It would kind of, uh, again, appreciate the question, but it's, you know, we'll, we'll have – it, we would just be taking a very, very basic scan at the, at the entire schedule now, but stay tuned every week and we'll have more detailed previews for you there. Um, next screen name, Latin flow, any updates on NIL and temple players that came on the football board. I, I get the sense that a few guys have dabbled uh, here and there on some minor stuff. I'm not aware of anything super big or super significant, but it, it's something that we'll, we'll ask about. As, as we get more players down the line. Yeah, I think that's um, from, I mean, I'm not laying anything out of the bag. I, I think um, there's things coming in that arena. Yeah, yeah. Um, last one here, the screen name is Old School Al. 
Will Taj Sweet be eligible to play this season? Old school Al, if you listen to the pod last week, we asked Jimmy Fernity about that directly. He said it's to be determined. Uh, you know, talked about some waiver stuff and like it really is. He still has his red shirt, right? Uh, yes, he does. So. Yeah, he played those first two seasons. Yeah, I, I, they could, you know, again, we asked Jimmy that question. I asked him last week, you know, do you expect Taj to play this year? And he said, to be determined. And you can go back and listen to last week's podcast for the exact quote. But, um, yeah, he talked about a waiver situation. And what I what I don't know for sure um, is, you know, if, if Jimmy were fully letting his guard down here, I don't I don't know that, you know, that the coaches may not say I think they like Taj a lot. I mean, he's practicing with the team. He is athletic. He's he does. I, I think they see him as an energetic, versatile guy. I mean, they, they could certainly use that on the roster. What I don't know for sure is, again, if he can't play, if he can't get a, a waiver to play, then he doesn't play. I, I also might think that there's maybe and part of their thinking might be like, look, Taj, you were at West Virginia for a couple of years. Things didn't work out for you there. You went from West Virginia to coastal for a semester. And now here you're back home. Maybe a season off does him some good. I don't know. Could be a could be a, a combination of, you know, if they feel like there aren't a ton of minutes to come by this year and there's a log jam at that spot, maybe they tell him, you know, red shirt this year, take some, you know, not take some time off. You'll yeah, be get your head on the straight. Exactly. So we don't know yet. Again, asked Jimmy Fenry last week. His question, his answer, excuse me, was to be determined. So Thank you once again for sticking with us in another episode. Thank you for sitting through all of our uh, debating and and uh, campaigning about the uh, Temple basketball team. Kyle looks like he's going to try to get one last. Uh, I was trying to think of like uh, I like a like an I like Ike scenario, like a little like button slogan I could think of, but I I got nothing. So vote for, for Kyle. Vote for John DeCarlo. It's the right thing to do. <laughs> <laughs> Should have like Javon. a real debate about this. I channel like high school debate club, which I wasn't part of. But damn, Javon, I know I can count on your votes. I'm just saying, smiling you, at me. You, I will bankroll votes. That, yeah, you, you can't put that pressure on us. Twenty five dollar Amazon gift cards to anybody that tweets me at Kyle Gauss with confirmed voting. Really? Buy Some limitations stuff. may apply. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, thank you all for for listening and tuning in and we will talk to you next week.